Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. And I'm your co-host, Ian. Brandon is running a little late because he is coming all the way back from a convention uh, on the other side of the state, so he'll be joining us uh, shortly. This podcast was created to provide you, our heroes, with new and reusable material for both players and DMs. We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. Our show may not be suitable for young children, but neither are our D&D games. Thank you for joining us today at the Craig Cammy Studios, where everything's made up and your roles don't matter. Yep, that's right. Your roles are like fighting a beholder with not being able to go for the eyes. Or my love life. Oh, no. Uh, We got a really great show for you guys today, but like every episode, we like to start off on a high note. And so we do that by giving away fat loots. Compliments of our sponsor, Goblin Stone. Each episode, we will draw one lucky subscriber's name, and they will win the five-star rated adventure, Banquet of the Damned, compliments of Goblin Stone. Goblin Stone is a community project for D&D fans based out of the UK. They aim to be a place where you can team up with professionals to turn your ideas into high-quality products and give every fan a chance to get published. Be sure to head over to www.goblinstone.com or you can check out our fellowship link on our website, www.critacademy.com. Ian, who's our winner today? Our winner today is Tim Nayer. Congratulations to Tim Nayer. We hope you enjoy the adventure. If you do, please make sure to leave Goblin Stone a review and check out all his other amazing products. <laughs> uh, our show, I'm really excited for this show today. We got a question for our Let's Talk About Blank segment in regards to attacking players. Um, we Our main topic today is go for the eyes, targeted body parts, and expanded monster traits. And, of course, we have our Unearthed Tips and Tricks, where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs. But before all that, we spend a few minutes talking about what's going on in our realm. Ian, what's going on in your realm? Um, the uh, game Sekiro came out this weekend, and I've been attempting to play it. I hear that's a, a pretty hard and pretty good game. Yeah, and I'm definitely getting my butt kicked in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, that's from From Software, right? Which are the guys who made the uh, Souls games mm-hmm. and Bloodborne, so yeah. Yeah, you bastards need to stop making that shit and make me another good armored core. If half as much work went into a good armored core game as that other stuff they keep making, I would have a good armored core game and not some nine ball nine breaker bullshit. To be fair though, the other stuff they have making is hard but good. Yeah. I, I, I like really challenging games. That's why I like Dark Souls. Oh, so what are your personal thoughts on it? I mean 
Yeah, it's difficult, and I do think like there are some aspects of the combat that is not quite forgiving, but there are some some uh, things that are a little bit more though compared to the their previous games in the series too. So there's and since there's no multiplayer elements, you can actually pause the game, <laughs> which you can't do in the Souls game because you're always connected online in some oh, way, shape, or form. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So do you like pause it really quick so you can see what's going on to make quicker decisions? I pause it just to actually use some of my. Items on my menu. <laughs> oh, you have to pause it to use some of the items, or is that just an option? You don't have to, but you don't have everything in your quick item slots. So. Uh, got ya. So right now, that and seems then. really interesting. Yeah. Very cool. And okay. what's going on in your realm, Justin? Trying to, uh, so I just ran our patron game for our, our gold tier patrons on Saturday, and I did something I haven't done to our patrons uh, yet. I ran an encounter that really, they couldn't win um and so it was meant to get them into uh be taken towards a enslavement and towards an arena and about halfway through a couple of the players figured out and decided a tactical retreat was much more beneficial what i thought is interesting is it was a real combat heavy more than i normally do and it was a long combat but i regret sipping through that then uh they uh they really they really i was surprised so the first beginning uh, I, I don't get often completely stumped as a DM, but when they were uh, they were doing their investigation to figure out who's stealing these people uh, or kidnapping these people, they cast Zone of Truth on two guys. Then one guy that failed then got Suggestion, and another player can read minds. So now I'm trying to figure out, okay, this guy is telling the truth. Is he telling the truth? Is he following the commands uh, under the Suggestion? And what are his surface thoughts, and do they match the – do your surface thoughts – match what you have to say under the effects of the spell so my mind kind of broke for a little while so thank you guys although i think it <laughs> broke you friday too with the bluff checks <laughs> yeah dude yeah we, we've been i i've just been having a blast in D D is in general fucking so we're running through iron slag and and ian's character and is, thunder uh yeah yeah that's what i should probably uh running through the the fire giant uh forges and he decides he's going to show up and just pretend to be like a building inspector or a forge inspector or some shit surprise inspection um and since a lot of them were like ogres and shit they're like oh yeah that makes sense <laughs> so and he rolled really good so it was it was a very interesting uh and the one guy who gave me lip i cast management on which uh made the other ogres go like we should probably listen to this guy <laughs> <laughs> they're like we just want a break uh it was uh it was pretty fantastic i've been having a lot of fun uh with D lately um, so I'm looking forward to getting more into that. Yeah. So I think that'll do it for In the Realm. Ian, if they'd like to visit other realms, how can they do so? They can do so by going to our website and clicking on the link for Audible, where you can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial. Yeah, definitely. Um, I love my Audible subscription. I'm listening through the Dritz series, but I accidentally downloaded the wrong one, so I went one. I went from 1, 2, 3 to 10. <laughs> So that was interesting. Yeah, I did the same thing by accident the other day when I went to Barnes & Noble and bought what I thought were the next books I haven't read in the uh, Dressed in Files series, only to find out, I'm like, oh, this is five, these are five books ahead. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, I read, I think it was Passage of Dawn, maybe it was nine. Um, yeah, Ed says he's uh, on book 14. Uh, I did finally get book four, so I'm back in Icewind Dale and shit, but I was like, I feel like I missed something. I went back, I'm like, oh, shit, I clicked on the wrong one. Well, I already bought it, so I guess I'm going to listen to it. But uh, yeah, definitely the the audible uh, the the audible trial is awesome. It's worth it. That book is yours, even if you don't keep the subscription. Moving on to our next segment, we have our let's talk about blank segment. Our question this week comes from Donnie H, 
When it comes to fighting, how do you determine which monster is attacking which character? This question goes for both those that use miniatures and those that use theater of the mind. Ian? I do believe that, as the question implies, whether you are using miniatures or theater of the mind can make a difference to a degree. Mm -hmm. And I also think it depends on what are you fighting. Okay, so you think monsters, the type of monster determines how they, and which players they attack, right? Oh, it definitely can do that. Def uh, yeah, and I, I kind of agree with that same sentiment. Sentiment. If I'm playing, like, wolves and, and wild beasts, they generally just attack the nearest target or the last thing to strike them. And that uh, makes sense. If I'm playing a... I, I a, mean, especially with the theory of the, of the mind, and you, although you can kind of see this, too, with miniatures, like... Attack whatever's in front, or players say, I'm in the front because I'm the tanky guy. Mm -hmm. I'll need to protect the guys behind me. Go for guys in the front because they're closer. Or if you're playing more like uh, tactical enemies, it's like, or spellcast, it's like, I can cast a spell and these saving throw, and they're playing this class, which means they're probably going to be weak against this kind of spell, so BAM! Right. Um, I think what's interesting is when it comes to playing intelligent creatures, I won't have them immediately attack somebody specific, but if. You're fighting a troll, for instance, and the mage lets loose a fireball. That troll is going to consider that person a top priority because it, it it's attacking its weakness. A troll is smart enough to know that because sometimes uh, it can lead, feel like you're ganging up on somebody. Right. But if the mage drops a fireball and the captain says, that one is a wizard, you know, cuff him or lock him down. Take him out first. He's the biggest threat. At least then the players will understand why you're doing it. Right. And you can see that it makes sense for that purpose. So, or sometimes, depending on, once again, what creatures you're running, you can randomly roll mm -hmm. to see who they attack. Or I've done that too. And let's face it, I'm sure at some point some DMs have gone, well, this guy's being a dick, so I feel like bidding him up today. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> people do that. Please try to avoid that. Because um, taking out your personal frustration on a player character is a not a not a great uh, habit to get into, personally. Yeah, and and even if you're trying to be tactical, try to, to at least sometimes, just for the sake of fairness, at least, unless you have a really good reason for it, don't just pile up on that one player. Because I remember even one time during a Starfinder game, all the enemies kept attacking me, and I'm sitting so, so, going, why am I the one being picked on? And, and the GM did say, well, this commander guy said to attack you because you're the biggest threat. And I'm sitting going, my head is going, he's a wizard, he's a roguish character, we got two or three soldier ty types, and... I'm a freaking mechanic, and I'm the biggest threat. <laughs> Brandon is all dressed up, and he looks really pretty. I get all cosplay. He came straight here. That wow. one must have been a long drive. <sighs> That's a horrible drive. Well, uh, thank you for coming. Hour and a half. Yeah, about. Yeah, but you, but you get what I'm saying, too, right? Yeah, absolutely, and I agree with that. Um, the the other thing that determines how I attack people is strategy. If the rogue is ducking behind a barrel and has three-fourths cover, I'm not going to waste my arrows uh, as an archer trying to hit the guy hiding. I'm going to hit the guy standing in the open. So and that should encourage the players to use tactics as well. So, you know, and then other things come to mind like traps in, in um, other circumstances. If somebody jumps on top of a player and handcuffs them with manacles, that character is no longer going to become a priority, right? So then I'll pick somebody else because what good is it attacking that person if you've got them already controlled? Or if somebody is under hold person, right? I would drive to attack somebody that was affected by the wizard's hold person because they can't move and I can stab them. Or Tasha's Hideous Laughter. Or Tasha's Hideous Laughter. Well, I think that depends on the situation, too, because that's a really good, okay, we got him out of the way for a little bit while right. we deal with these other ones. But Or I can easily see the argument for, 
and I won't like it. Can't do anything. <laughs> yeah. Um. So that really, it, it really is going to come down to the characters and their intelligence and their strategy. Like hobgoblins are very tactical. So as soon as they decide that something's wrecking them, they're going to attack. And I guess that's that's probably true of any uh, sort of intelligent creature. Hit, hit the guy that crits with a a glove full of coins. I <laughs> backhand somebody with a glove full of coins. That was funny. Um, do you have anything else on this, Ian? I do not. All right. Well, thank you, Donnie, for your submission. We hope we answered your question. If you if we didn't, please send us an email and let us know, and we'll see if we can do a better job. Moving on to our main topic. I am very excited for our main topic today. We Once again, we are discussing Go for the Eyes, Targeted Body Parts, uh, in expanded monster traits. This comes to us from Alex Clippinger, I think is how you say that. And I'm I'm just excited for this because that's something that comes up in discussion a lot, right? It's yeah. called shots, right? And I know, I believe 3.5 has some optional rules for this as the, as the Pathfinder, which kind of makes sense, I suppose, but yeah. So... This is a really interesting supplement. Um, I'd like to point out that it doesn't give you targets for every targeted uh, shots for everything, but mostly like the big giant monsters, right? Things that are massive that it would make sense to target uh, monsters. So Alex does point out that there are some drawbacks and change-ups. You know, for instance, you know, with destroying the, the, the central eye, he creates additional effects based on those, which I think is fantastic. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, he does go on to say that many of the entries are designed to make monsters' abilities more usable. For example, some of the creatures with the innate teleport actions or spellcasting won't see many reason reasonable chances to actually use these features um, as their action over straight-up damage dealing. By giving reactions, uh, reactions traits and scenarios where creatures can utilize more of their abilities, the DM and the players will actually enjoy creatures that pull out all the tricks out of their bag. So that's that's pretty interesting. But what we want to get onto is the targeting, right? So how do you how do how do they how does he recommend you do this? So um, he talks about you know target attacks are aimed at specific body parts, uh, and they have an armor class and uh, one more damage. Uh, uh, and they have an armor class and one or more what he calls damage thresholds. Um, the thresholds are uh, represent a minimum amount of damage the creature must deal in order to actually succeed on taking the disable action or affecting that particular body part. Now, in the the DMG, I think it gives this threshold to boats and stuff, right? Uh-huh. If you don't if you don't hit for a threshold of damage, it considers it a null attack, right? More superficial than an actual impact. So, and I I suspect that's where he he got this this mechanic. And what's cool is that when you do succeed on a target uh targeting a spot, you can also get um uh bonuses for either destroyed or disabled which grant the player some sort of combat benefit right but what he did is he also created like trigger effects right so when this does happen they might get a new ability or a new feature or something which i think is fantastic right um that was my first form (laughs) (laughs) brandon can you tell us a little bit about the traits uh the traits are features uh for monsters that change their tactics or abilities Usually under certain conditions, uh, sometimes it requires the creature to receive certain amounts of a particular damage type. In other cases, traits can trigger as a result of a uh, creature's hit points dropping below a certain level. 
or even when its body parts are disabled or destroyed. Okay, we got good news and we got bad news. The good news is you took out the demon's wings so you can't fly around taking pot shots at you anymore. The bad news is it's now in course, course combat with you. <laughs> <laughs> or you all landed on a bridge and the bridge is going to give out from the weight. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Um... So he he breaks this down into basically three. He gives you instructions on reading the format and everything. We're not going to get too much into that. But basically what it comes down to is AC thresholds uh, and um, destruction, basically, right, and disable. So the one thing he goes on to talk about is knowledge of the players and the techniques for them to learn what their weaknesses are and all that stuff. Um, so he actually encourages you to use the different checks to re- help them recall particular information, like using an arcana to uh, recall information on aberrations, you know, planar creatures and the such, nature for, you know, beasts and monstrosities, religion for celestials and fiends and undead and that sorts. And he does go on to talk about, you know, there being an overlap between those, but you as the DM can actually utilize those to, to feed the player information about those features. Hey, God, if you shove this wooden stake into a vampire's heart, it'll kill it. Well, no crap. If you shove a wooden stake into anything's heart, that usually kills it. <laughs> <laughs> Ian, we, we briefly touched on uh, on thresholds. Can can you give us a little bit of clarification on the rules? Is that something that can only be used? Is there a limit on how many times you can can uh, attack a threshold? Basically, with the uh, threshold, they're not cumulative across multiple rounds, but you can like uh, have it cumulative in, in a given creature's turn. And you must basically try to hit for damage equal to or greater than the let's say, threshold to have any effect on the body part. Right. And it does go into to detail about they don't take area effects into account because it's kind of hitting everything equally. So right, it's not right. specifically targeting a certain area, which does kind of make sense for balancing issues. Right, least. right, for sure. And, um, of course, they also assume, did you uh, hit the creature or did you totally miss it in the first place? Or if you aim for the body part, did you just totally miss the thing? The sucker? right. Um, what I think is cool is the threshold is once per turn, right? Yeah. So would this encourage players to, players to use the readied action? Yeah. If, we, if we're three archers and we ready our actions to all release it as soon as Ian does, that's considered one turn. Yep. So that would make it easier to, to, to reach those thresholds, I think. Ditch it. I'm going to read my action and bury it in that dude's face once he flies in within range of me when he catch me. Now show him. You show him. (laughs) Brandon, do you think that this affects uh, challenge rating at all? It says here that the uh, entries presented here are not meant to redesign their creatures from the ground up. That being said, adding layers of complexity can uh, affect a fight's ease or difficulty. Generally, disabled or destroyed body parts have a powerful negative impact on a creature. No shit. (laughs) So, basically, he says, I don't think this will change the effect that much but it may so that's kind of a wishy-washy answer isn't it i think it's stating that yeah it you can disable a creature's arm or something like that but you can give that creature a different kind of ability where it can use some special one-armed attack yeah i think for i think for like the giants if you cut its leg a leg out from underneath and it drops to one it gets like a swiping technique now now that it's down to your level or something, I think that's what it's, it's talking about. Okay. So, he chopped off his arm. He gave it a new club. Dang it! <laughs> <laughs> um, so right off the bat, this is a very interesting product. There are lots and lots of monsters, dozens and dozens of these monsters. Uh, I've picked a few that we're going to talk about today. 
Um, but definitely you're going to want to pick this bad boy up because I think this adds a level to, I think this is something I would probably only include in like big boss fights personally, not something that I would probably include on like minions and stuff like that. But when you get that big, you know, powerful moment with your players finally fighting that big monstrosity of a boss, adding this sort of feature and feeding it to them through the knowledge checks, I think is a nice little touch. So we picked a few uh, monsters here that we're going to talk about. Obviously, I picked iconic monsters, right? Um, a few. The, the first one being the Beholder. Probably one of the most iconic monsters in D&D. Would you agree? Yes. Well, because it's only in D&D, legally speaking. <laughs> so, yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Um, so right from the get-go, he gives you a Arcana check, DC of 16, to determine this information right so he doesn't just tell you out the gate he gives you a chance to fail and not figure it out right hey guys it's a it's a flooding hell with one big eyeball lots of very tiny eyeballs on stock what could this be <laughs> well i think it's specifically talking about un- using it as a way to uncover its weakness though a giant eye seems like a weakness to me but yeah um anyways um brandon would you tell us about the the central eye and it's 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 features looks like it's got a an AC of 20. That's big. And its disable threshold is 28, whereas destruction threshold is 56. Yeah. See, the the beholder's uh, central eye radiates anti-magic field effect. That thing. Really? Yeah. Yeah? You've never known that? No, I've never fought a beholder. Oh, uh, well, I'm going to have to fix that. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> <laughs> I've used them a couple times. Damaging or disabling it might uh, offer... Reprieve from the effect. Wow. With some risk. So yeah, so the, basically you use that Arcana check to determine the central eyes features and stuff like that. So one of the big bullet points is disable. The beholder is forced to close its central eye and can use a random eye beam as a reaction against the attacker if they are within range. The eye remains closed for 1d4 minus 1 rounds, minimum of 1 during the which time its anti-magic cone is not active, and it has disadvantage on perception checks based on sight. The beholder's eye reopens at the end of its turn of the final round. So, this gives you a mechanical benefit to attacking the eye, removing its anti-magic field, right? Yep. But it requires a, a specific threshold of 28 um, and that threshold means you have to do 28 damage in a single turn to trigger it. It also gives you a destruction threshold of 56 that we already discussed. So, Ian, what is the destruction mechanic? Yeah, this is getting nasty. Uh, it the, is. The Beholder Central Eye is wrecked, per- permanently disabling its anti-magic cone, giving a disadvantage on wisdom perception checks based on sight. Mm-hmm. But when the eye is destroyed, a burst of anti-magic from the Beholder emanates in a radius of 30 feet just from that one shot. Spells, magic items, and other magical effects are affected by the anti-magic field spell that were inside this radius when the eye was destroyed is is suppressed until the start of the Beholder's next turn. (laughs) So not only do you not have a cone anymore... You don't have no magic. You don't have no magic. (laughs) For a turn. But still, um... It says that magic effects that are cast uh, inside or enter this radius after the anti-magic fatter burst are not suppressed. Which makes sense, because uh, it's gone. Okay, so it's not saying... Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, that is, you can stop the effect, but you're going to be punished for it. Um, at least for a short while. And I think that is dope as hell. Send in the barbarian! 
<laughs> yeah, you know what? That didn't end out well for me. I tried to grapple yeah. choke a fucking beholder, and it killed me with its, like, stun ray. Or it hit me with a stun ray or paralysis, and then just destroyed me with its, like, disintegration ray. Yeah. I missed my... That was that was a horrible, horrible night. And then somebody tried to send their elemental, uh, summoned elemental, at it. Do you know what happened to the summoned elemental? It disappeared. It, dis- it disappeared. I'm like, what did you think was gonna happen? <laughs> Uh, anyways, um, so overall, what do you guys think about this mechanic? Uh, this, this, the go for the eyes for the beholder. Well, you can't really punch it in the dick because it doesn't have one. So <laughs> honestly, I think it's a very common mechanic that people try to do, flavor wise, at least. Yeah, yeah. I mean, pl- yeah, and that was kind of our point earlier. Is players do try to um, try to do this, but now you've got a structure for it, right? Mm-hmm. Which I think is fantastic. Um, Brandon, which creature did you pick? I chose dragons. Dragons! Dragons! So why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the dragons? Uh, the dragons, these awe-inspiring creature creatures command exactly as much fear and respect as they deserve, but sometimes these creatures find themselves at, at odds with questing adventurers. Yeah. Uh, choice attacks can cripple a dragon's wings and inhibit its ability to use its breath weapon. So this is interesting. Um, he actually has a chart here for the different uh, checks and the DCs depending on the type of dragon, right? Yeah, he's got adult and ancient dragons and, and all the rainbow. Yeah, it does. What's that, Ian? But it's a, yeah, like what you just said, though, it's just adult and ancient, but... Oh, is that... It's not... Oh, it's just adult and ancient. Yep, you're right. It doesn't include the younglings or wormlings or anything. Brandon, why don't you tell us about the, the new trait for the breath weapon? Uh, the breath weapon, it says, see the table for AC and disable threshold. Okay, so pick one uh, as an example. Uh, let's choose a red ancient. Red ancient is right here. I'm going to guess it's going to be throat. Well, yeah, that's yeah, the dragons, one that matches the, the breath weapon. Yeah, dragons build up elemental energy and unleash it by targeting the mouth and throat. One can inhibit a dragon's ability to expel these energies. But be warned, the delay makes the dragon's bite even deadlier than normal. <laughs> Well, yeah, as our example, uh, the Red Ancient, the Throat AC would be 24, and the Throat Disable Threshold is 65. That's a lot. That's a hard hit. Yeah. Yeah. That really is. There, I, I see that there's no destruction option. I yeah, guess you, I see that. Um, which I think it just depends on the uniqueness of the monster, I suppose. So, yeah. So now that you've you've decided you're going to go for the throat, which I'm a real fan of. I love choking well, things. Well, I guess supposedly <laughs> uh, destroying its throat basically means you cut its head off so it's dead. Or you you just, like, smash or cut a lacerated or something, too. Yeah. Um, so uh, what is the disable effect here? It says, if the dragon's breath weapon was recharged, it must roll to recharge the weapon as if it had already expended it. Okay. Wow. Um, if the dragon's breath weapon was exhausted when the target uh, targeted attack was made, the first successful ro- uh, roll on the recharge at the start of the dragon's turn is ignored. <laughs> a, su- <laughs> a successful recharge roll on a subsequent round recharges the breath weapon normally. Uh, these effects do not stack. Another targeted uh, has another targeted has no effect until the dragon uses its breath weapon again. So you can't just keep kicking it in the throat. And stopping them from, you know, burning burning you guys to the ground. <laughs> Until the drag we- dragon's breath weapon is recharged, its bite attack deals an additional die of elemental damage, which Ooh. matches the, the dragon type, right? Um, and it goes on to give you the numbers. If the dragon's bite doesn't deal elemental damage, 
Uh, it deals one additional die of the bite's damage instead. Um, so this is really interesting. Um, going for the throat on a dragon so they can't AoE everyone is a really good and sound tactic. I think that this is a really dope way to handle it. You're basically just getting rid of their ability to recharge it, but only temporarily. Yep. And I think the way they handled the wings, too, is kind of interesting. Just because um, when you hit like the disabled threshold, you don't uh, ground them completely. What they, you do is you actually reduce its five speed by five feet, but it's cumulative. Really? So each time you hit its threshold, its five speed goes down by five feet. And so, so. you gradually cut holes in its wings until it's like... It can't fly. Yeah, <laughs> that is pretty dope as hell. But it does say it can't. It's fly speed can't be reduced by more than half. But oh, okay. So you can't completely stop it from flying around. But, but you still, can slow it down. But it's still pretty neat. And that definitely makes it harder for it to get out of range of spells and bows and shit. Yep. So and uh, all the way, if you're listening to this and you play dragons, it is your responsibility as the DM to ensure that you utilize that flight to like nobody's business, because. Really, dragons can swoop down, fire breath, and fly out of range of spells. Don't let your dragon land and just start biting shit. <laughs> well, the only thing I don't understand is that uh, at the end of the table it says check DC for Arcana. That's What's to that learn for? to learn the weakness of the dragon. So oh. for the black adult, it's a DC Arcana 17. So if they don't pass that, you don't feed them this information. But the idea is that during combat, you could call for this check and you could feed the information to them. And say, hey, you know that... Um, if you smash its throat, you might be able to weaken its a breath weapon or something along those lines. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's really clever because now there's a chance that they won't figure this out. And now they're about to move the 1981 movie Dragon Slayer. I think I need to watch. I think you told me I should watch that. Well, I actually like it just because the dragon actually holds up pretty well visually even today. But that's because they use animatronics and puppetry to actually make the dragon itself. And it was done by the Jim Henson Workshop. Oh, wow. That's some pretty big names behind that. Yeah. So the last one we picked was the Giants, right? They might be Giants. Um, you know, Earth-shaking Titans. Giants are, you know, varied as the smaller, as varied as the smaller human races, including fire, cloud, you know, frost, all that, all that different shit, right? I wish I was a fire um, human. Now, I, I'll be honest. <laughs> I'll be honest. I cannot tell you how many times I just wanted to swipe and chop off the leg of a giant. Well, there's a rule for that. <laughs> yep. So one of the targeted features is... If you have a helmet with a point on it, is it like stepping on a Lego when a giant steps on you? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, a, uh, like a cow trap. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they give Dwarf, you... Dwarf, a... we're the spike armor. Why? No reason. <laughs> <laughs> they give you a, uh, a target AC, which depends on the giant, right? All the giants are different tiers depending on the... The, the, the classification, right, and their their um ordining, right? So for instance, we're gonna let's we're gonna look at the cloud giant here. Um their leg AC is seventeen and their disable HP is twenty. So in this case it says the most obvious target of a giant is its legs. Duh. <laughs> we uh I couldn't agree more. <laughs> I actually find it interesting that the stone giants AC is actually pretty dang high, even though they're considered one of the lower tier giants. <laughs> Yeah, but I think it has to do just because they're made of solid rock, rock right? They rock. Um, <laughs> so the most obvious target on a... Yeah, I see what you did there. Uh, the most obvious target on a giant are their legs. Smaller creatures attempt to target these in the hopes of bringing the giant oh. down to the ground and reducing its mobility. How tall are giants? Like Depends a, on the on, giant. On average. Depends on the giant. 15 to 20 feet, usually. 15 to 20 feet? Yeah, they're pretty big. No, I, think I think, think some of them are, be, but yeah, I think average, some are bigger than that, though, too. Average human is, what, almost six feet tall? Yeah. yeah. 
So yeah, legs would be primary, I suppose. I was gonna say I was gonna say if their dongles are like right there, you just could go for the dongle. <laughs> yeah, Alex, why isn't that in here? Does that come in version XXX? I mean, I created a monk. It was a halfling that revolved around this concept. Mm. <laughs> go for the XXX. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, once the 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 players um, try to bring them down to their in level and reduce their mobility. Uh, hill six sixteen, fire and stone eighteen, frost twenty one, cloud twenty four, storm twenty six. There you go. Google. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, so, uh, in a turn, giants use makeshift or crafted armor on their legs to prevent this exact scenario from happening. On more powerful and heavily armored giants, breaking through these layers of protection are all but impossible. That being said, there is a disable here, right? Um, so, if you manage to disable them, I think in the cloud giant it says disable HP is 20. Um, or the, I, I assume that means threshold. And I just think he... Did you think that meant threshold and he just changed it? Because that word verbiage changed. Could I'm, be. I'm going to say that's probably supposed to be threshold. So, the threshold HP is 20. Um, so, the giant goes to his knees. While on his knees, the giant's speed is halved as though it were crawling. Uh, and while on its knees, the giant's rock attacks are made with disadvantage, and uh, it uses a special cleave or swipe attack, if it has one. In place of its normal uh, melee attack or multi-attack, the giant remains on its knees for a number of rounds equal to 8 minus its constitution modifier. So this is a punishment to bring them down. It slows them down, but it gives them a new benefit. Now... Many of these giants have different traits. Yeah, but they say they really mix it up. <laughs> yeah, so they're not all the same. So at continuing using the the cloud giant as an example. But what feature do they get uh, there, Brandon? Yeah, sweep. Uh, usable only while prone or kneeling. Uh, the giant sweeps its morning star in a 15-foot cone. Damn! Ooh. Each creature in the area must make a DC-12 dex saving throw, uh, taking 12 piercing damage on a failed save or half as much on a successful the giant can cause one creature of its choice that fails its saving throw to be knocked prone. Oh. So that's pretty cool. So it takes a single uh, a strike that's designed to target a single creature and gives them this kind of AoE effect. To It does less damage, but it hits multiple enemies as, as they're swinging wildly to kind of keep you away from cutting into them anymore, I think. <laughs> and the giants all have different features. Um, the other fe- Another feature the cloud giant has is called... Deception's Delight. It's a trait. So when a creature targets an illusion the giant has created with an attack or when a creature uses its action to examine such an illusion with an intelligence check, the giant has advantage on the first attack roll it makes before the end of its next turn. So this is a buff to their illusion magic. Yeah. Which I think is fantastic. I'm now kind of half wondering, what if you target a creature's head and, deca- and decapitate them? Only for it to go Resident Evil 4 and you would have something like tentacles or another. <laughs> <laughs> You're a Boros. Oh my god, we made the thing so much worse! <laughs> um, and, and once again, the, the giants have all different features. And this goes on and on through all the different monsters in this book. They give you different um, um, conditions and features that they get in general. I know the hill giant gets a new bonus action called Dim-Witted Obsession. Which is interesting. Duh. <laughs> uh, Stone Giant gets the Carver trait. So um, as you go through this, this is des- to me once again to me this is something I would more or less use on uh, like boss fights 
than I would like normal because there are a lot of different mechanics, kind of, uh, different rules involved here. But I think it would add a really good, interesting layer to it, especially if you added something in the room. Like if you're fighting a giant and, you know, the DM makes sure there's like catapults or there's giant siege weapons that could easily hit that, that, that threshold, that damage threshold. You yep. know what I mean? Now, if the players decide not to use it, well, that's on them. Right? Hit them with your crossbow, Steve. <laughs> Um, I, overall, what are your guys' thoughts on this product? I definitely think it adds some variety to it, and adds a little bit more depth, and that's never a bad thing. And uh, obviously, it's optional, so you don't have to use it. But for those of you who want it, here you go. I think it's awesome that it's giving creatures a potential deadly trait for doing something that should make them less dangerous. <laughs> Or, or make them more desperate. <laughs> and I, I think, and I feel like that's probably the reason right there. It's more of a, a desperate thing than it is yeah. probably like a um, like a, a, an additional strength. Um, but it comes with its trade-offs, and that's that's the point, right? Going back to the beholder, yes, you can knock out its eye, but it's going to be fucking everything up for a little bit, right? With the yep. the where even the spellcasters are ineffective. So depending on your group composition, that's not going to be very good. You can't heal. You can't attack. You're just going to have to stab it with something. <laughs> yep. So, well, I think that'll do it for our main topic today. Go for the Eyes by Alex Klippinger. This is an absolutely amazing product. And he keeps kicking me in the deck. <laughs> and it's it, currently it's at a best, a gold bestseller ranking for only three bucks. So definitely pick it out if you really want to uh, touch that. If you use the link in our show notes, uh, we'll get a small uh, affiliate kickback for that. So definitely do that. That'll do it for our main topic. Before we move on to our Unearthed Tips and Tricks, we have another gift to give away. Compliments of Loresmith. Each episode, we will draw another lucky subscriber's name, and they will win the best-selling adventure, The Claws of Madness. Compliments of Loresmith. Loresmith is a small indie team of creative artists who remember exploring the realms together with friends, finding incredible places, and meeting colorful characters along the way. They set out to deliver an experience that sparks those lasting impressions that pushed them to create their first standalone adventure, The Claws of Madness. This best-selling adventure is one that you don't want to miss. I can't believe how 1,000 of them kicked you in the dick. (laughs) (laughs) Why do they keep kicking me in the dick? That's for... My dick. (laughs) Brandon, who is our winner today? Our winner is BGA1981. Congratulations, BGA 1981. If you enjoy the adventure, please leave Lore Smith a review and check out all of his other amazing products. Uh, he's got some dope-ass tiles oh, yeah. um, that are just awesome. I can't recommend them enough. And now, what you've all been waiting for. Our Unearthed Tips and Tricks segment, where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs. Our first UTT is our character concept, the Deceitful Genie. Now, (laughs) this concept works best if you are a Genesai. If you do not know, Genesai are children born of a mortal and a genie. So being a spellcasting class that has access to illusions and mind manipulation spells really adds to this concept. And uh, touching into the the background of like the criminal or the charlatan or something uh, really just tops it off. I can also see an argument too for chieflings. 
Oh, Tiefling can probably do it too. You know what? You're you're right. I could see an uh, I could see an argument for that. That's yeah. a, that's a good one. Um, I think those are a little more common than Genesi, though. But anyways, the deceitful genie is really just a con man or woman who uses their genie look and heritage to con innocent villagers. Uh, poofing in in a puff of smoke or some other magical trip, they promise to grant powerful wishes in exchange for something. Money, information, or maybe a service. Regardless of the requirement, they promise this great wish upon completion using fancy magical effects like maybe prestidigitation and minor illusion and maybe even something fancy like phantasmal force if you really want to get fancy. And this is all just to really enhance the belief that they are what they claim, right? The deceitful genie uses the opportunity in fooling these people basically to rob them or to get work done for free or some other sort of service that they would otherwise probably have to pay or do themselves. Uh, Using magic and basic tricks, they may even pretend to grant the wish for the person. I think that's what Phantasmal Force would be a good one for that, right? (laughs) Um, All the while manipulating them to get what they want. So the inspiration for this character, have you guys ever played Twisted Metal? Yep. Yeah. In Twisted Metal... Calypso, when you complete the game, he grants you a wish. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite memories was of Hammerhead. They drive their big truck on top of the skyscrapers in New York, and they reach Calypso, and he promises them a a wish. And they say, we demand to be able to fly. And he lightning strikes, and all this fancy stuff happens. And he says, your wish is granted. And then they run and leap off the building. And yeah! Whoa! Whoa! whoa. And they hit the bottom, and then he t- it turns to Calypso. He's holding up two plane tickets and says, well, I hope these first-class tickets are refundable. <laughs> and that is just, to me, the most hilarious, hilarious character concept. Because with magic, you can get away with that on villagers. I'm now kind of like a slave riffing on the latest land trailer. A lot of wish to be a prince slaying this like, uh, one-foot-tall statue up here starting Purple Rain. <laughs> <laughs> then he also do that he starts talking about like a more uh well that's a really vague wish you want to be a prince do you want me to make you a prince and he snaps his finger and then a prince appears in the back and starts where's my palace <laughs> he's like no so i think that you could really get a lot of role play out of this what do you think brandon i really think it could actually it makes me think of the movie Wishmaster. that and actually in particular any story that involves a genie never ends well works just like this because <laughs> if you are not specific with your wishes they fuck you in every way. <laughs> like they had a, they had on the X Files. Uh, who was it? Uh, there was a genie in the X Files. Yes, that's dope. I thought they only did with aliens. Uh, uh, the you guy really? who was who is that? Scully or is that Mulder? Mulder, Mulder. He finds the genie and he doesn't believe her, so he wishes for peace on Earth. And she says, "All right, it's granted. Everyone on the planet is gone except for him." <gasps> <laughs> and he comes up to her and he says, "I wished for peace on Earth." It's like, yes, you did. Yeah, and goodwill towards man. You didn't say that. <laughs> and it's the whole thing. And Wishmaster is just a horrifying example of how bad genies can be. Because uh, the, the the concept of Wishmaster is the person who finds his gem, they get three wishes. But he can still grant wishes to anybody else. Okay. But anytime he grants a wish to somebody, it always backfires on them in some way. There's two that I can recall specifically where he's talking to a secretary and he's and he's commenting on her beauty. He's like, don't you wish you could be beautiful forever? And she says, yes, I wish I could be beautiful forever. And he goes, okay. And he leaves and looks back to her and she turned, she, he turned her into a statue. <laughs> and the second time was he, was he was trying to get into this building and this uh, 
security guard was like, you are not coming into this building. I'm not going to let you. And I was Ugh. He turns around and starts walking away. And he's like, the only way you're getting through this building is through me. And I wish I could see that. so he turns him to a stained glass window and breaks him oh snap (laughs) i love shit like that and i think that's pretty traditional of how some dms play the wish spell in the game isn't it yeah that reminds me of like uh the one of the tree house of horror episodes of the simpsons where they find the monkey's paw yeah that was i've seen that one too where they they messes up their wishes and uh, homer's was like i'm gonna make a wish that they can't possibly be screwed up i wish for a ham sandwich yes I had the brush dry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that'll do it for our character concept, the deceitful genie. I really want to play this now. I'm going to be honest. That, that's kind of a dick move to do, though, with Wish. Isn't it like a really, really hard spell to come across? Yes. Yes. Or it's next level. <laughs> and then they just jack it up at the end. Yeah. Ian, would you like to tell us about our monster variant today that is, in fact, based around the Go for the Eyes format? It is the genie of the lamp. The origin, of course, is the gin. And we give it the lamp, which has a which has 20 AC, disable threshold of 35, and destruction th- threshold of 55. And at the genie's side is a golden lamp with intricate arcane sigils placed upon it, once bound to the lamp by a powerful wizard. The gin was finally free from servitude, but unable to break... F- break the binding from the lamp, thus hence why he carries it with him to protect his freedom. And if you disable the lamp, the Jin is frightened of losing his freedom, and he puts extra effort in defending the lamp from being cut loose or taken. And the genie loses one of its three attacks and has disadvantage on concentration checks until the start of its next turn. Now, if you don't know, one of its primary attacks is like a, a concentration like whirlwind that it does. Which so you can yeah. basically have a higher chance to disrupt that, right? And destruction. The lamp is destroyed, permanently freeing the genie from it. When it's destroyed, however, a burst of extra planar energy emanates from the lamp in a radius of 30 feet. All creatures within the radius suffer the effects of the plane shift spell, transporting them to a random plane, or one of the DM's choice. Oh, Does that include the genie? <laughs> well, maybe. All creatures, so yeah. I, des- I designed it that way. Um, I don't know if you know, but genies can't, can't grant wishes for themselves or other genies. I wish for my genies. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if everyone's wondering why I'm on a genie streak, it's because I was watching the Aladdin trailer, and I was just like, that, there's some good concepts there. Yep. But uh, what do you guys think about this? I mean, you run into a genie who is hostile for whatever reason. Maybe you're trying to get him to grant your wish. Maybe not. And you see the lamp. Now, what, as a player, are you going to think as soon as you see that lamp? If I grab this thing, I'm your new daddy. Or, I mean, master. Yeah, master. Master. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, B? Based on my knowledge of genies, I'd be really confused. Why is that? Because I don't think a genie can just walk around outside its lamp without some sort of a master with it. There's no requirements for that, as far as I could tell, in Forgotten Realms. At least not that was obvious. What I assumed is whoever the owner is controls it. And since he controls it himself, he can follow his own. He's his own master, right? Then in which case, I think that he's just a guy that has a special attachment to an antique. <laughs> Um, but anyways this is designed to give you another sort of monster variation on the D-Genie which is um, if you don't know in the genies they all have their own name D-Genie which is this is D-Genie of the lamp which is actually the wind the wind genie and then like Ifrit is like the fighter genie or whatever but um, this is a very simple concept I used the similar structure as in go for the eyes and I thought this would be really fun I don't know if sending everyone to a random plane is too powerful or not but man it sounds fucking awesome (laughs) if if I was that genie I'd be pissed (laughs) 
Okay, well, if you, it says you free him, so... What's the point of being free if you end up in hell? Well, that's true. <laughs> but I would think a, a, a genie could find his way back to the different dimensions pretty easily, or different uh, planes. So, I think that'll do it for our monster variant, the genie of the lamp. Um, that would make a great character concept, actually. <laughs> what's that? If you were a the genie, and uh, you are blasted into an, another plane, and you want to get back to the other plane, <laughs> but in order to get to that other plane, you have to learn the planar uh, movement spell ability, mm-hmm. and you have to gradually make get to that point while you're in the plane that you're in. <laughs> Depending on the plane, that could be really difficult. <laughs> uh, all right, yeah. chaos. Yeah. Oh, side note, on the D&D page, did you guys see a picture that, that did, did some rounds over the weekend with uh, Infinity War? Mm-mm. It showed, like, uh, when, like, uh, Thor hits his Thanos with a st- Stormbreaker. It says, when you do max damage on a crit hit, and you have bonus damage. But then it cuts to Thanos snapping when, when he still has two HP left in the ninth level spell. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, uh, I didn't see that. <laughs> I, did see, I shared that earlier, I think. Yeah. Our encounter of the podcast is a guilty plea to save an innocent. Um, this actually comes from a DMs Guild product called Intercepted. Uh, we received this asking if we would review it and um, discuss it a little bit. Um, it's very interesting. It's basically a collection of missives or letters. Uh, I think there's a dozen or so where you can just toss them out randomly as, as sources for hooks or anything like that. Mail! Um, so, to the Arbiters of Justice tasked with the sentencing of one Tom Swale. I hear that you have settled upon his execution. I hear that you will kill him with this ninth day of high sun. I plead you hold, for you have the wrong man. I am Tom Swale. I have committed the crimes of which you mean to swing that poor soul. How oft he must have pleaded with you. How many times did he deny the name? Please hold. I come as quickly as I can. I will forfeit my life in exchange for this innocent man's, but I fear that I will not reach you before you drop him through the gallows. Four days is all I ask. I beg you to hold till then, in earnest, the real Tom Schwale. What do you guys think about that? (sighs) That's, uh, it it has that honesty to it, but it sounds insanely suspicious. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like just give me four days. I'm the real time spoil. It's like okay, triple the guard around this guy's cell because someone's gonna break him out. What do you think, Ian? Oh <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, there's definitely could be a, a few hooks there. Like who is this guy? Where does he come from? Why do he keep quiet? Why is he admitting it? <laughs> yeah, well, and that's the thing is, if this is a uh, an item that you've intercepted, you've stumbled across. Do you find it in a prison cell somewhere else? Do you find it on the edge of a deadly path? Hey, that's fucked up. What? Hang them both. <laughs> <laughs> Let God sort them out. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, that's funny. Um, What would you guys do as players if you came across this? Would you make go out of your way to try to, to, to find this person? Um, to, to, to save this man from being executed? Or would you not bother? I think it could be worth it, and uh, you now have a guy who owes you a favor. <laughs> <laughs> I love Ian's comment in the chat. It's the only way to be sure. <laughs> That's funny. And make them from orbit. Right. Um, I think this is a really great concept. <laughs> if it's something that they just stumble across, 
Um, it could be something that has already passed, or maybe there's only a day or two left, and the players have a chance to rescue somebody. If they find this on a corpse Ooh. already, they might be able to, you know, take evidence from the corpse that that's the man. But um, I think this would be an interesting role play uh, encounter because your characters would have to really work hard to prove that a they didn't write this, that b the man who wrote it was the actual guy, and c that the man that's there is innocent. So I think it would be an amazing role play opportunity. You guys have any comments on that? Nope. That'll do it for our encounter of the podcast. A guilty plea to save an innocent from Intercepted by Ryan Cartner. Definitely check it out. There's a link in our show notes. Highly recommend it. Uh, Brandon, would you like to tell us about our magic item? Uh, of course I will. The Fields Medic Bag. From? Elgolos. Elgolos. Legolas. No, it is not Legolas. <laughs> Elgolasi. 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 <laughs> It is a wondrous item, and it is rare, and it requires attunement. This durable bag, made from heavy cloth, can hold one healer's kit. The bag appears to be old and well-used, stained by blood over the ages. When you attune yourself to the bag, you effectively have the benefit of the healer feat. Each day at dawn, there is a 1 in 6 chance that a healer's kit placed in the bag will restock itself to full 10 uses again. Neat. So I've seen a lot of magic items. The I've fuck? never seen one that grants you a feat or the same effects of a feat. Yeah. Do you think that that's an unbalanced item or is no. it unfair to somebody that takes that feat? No, just because I don't think, think in this case, anyway, healers kids get a lot of love either. That's true. <laughs> and this really becomes a focus of focal point of that. Right. And oh. and I don't think people take the healers feet a lot because let's face it, most people try to focus more on combat crap. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. What exactly um, does the healer's kit do? Is it just used for stabilizing? For the, um, usually, yeah, unless you took a feat. So what exactly does the healer feat do? <laughs> exactly, because no one knows. Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> I mean, I know it lets you heal people. Basically represents you are being an able-bodied physician, right? You can mend wounds and all that stuff. So when you use a healer kit to stabilize a dying creature, that creature regains a hit point. Right? Yep. So already it's awesome because usually stabilizing keeps the person unconscious. This allows them to get back up. That's that's fantastic. Now, I think the healer kit, you can only benefit from it once per long rest. Yeah. Um, so there is that limitation. But still, being able to get back up is awesome. Um, but as an action, you can spend the use of a healer's kit and tend to a creature and restore 1d6 plus 4 hit points um, to it. Plus an additional hit points equal to the character's maximum number of hit dice basically their level right yeah so it scales really well at higher levels this is actually a pretty cool item mm -hmm. um you can allow somebody to to fill that that healer void without for those those emergencies when somebody dies now uh it also has a chance to fail right it may not actually restore uh restock the uses of the healer's kit because each healer's kit can, has 10 uses um, and it's only a one in six chance. So if you use it too carelessly, you might not have it next time, right? Right, but it does say it'll restore the supplies for any healer's kit. So even if that's zero, you will eventually get it back. Just right, right. Win. It just uh, determines when, yeah. So um, I think this is a really nice um, tool. I think it's a great uh, addition to, for a group that doesn't have a healer. Or is just a potentially good one for a healer who doesn't want to... Uh, consume like two when they're out of spell slots, right? Yeah. So it has a lot of use. Brandon, what do you think? I like it. I think it's neat. Think that waiting one day for a one in six chance of it reloading completely to ten. 
That that's a bit. That I think that would keep you on your toes. Well, yeah, it would make you still kind of wary of how many uses you give it. But once again, if you got a party of five people in a single day, you're probably not going to you, you can't use it more than five times anyway, because each person can can only benefit uh, once per long rest, I believe. So that's like the idea that it makes you a medic. Yeah, that pretty puts much. Your medic on the field. Um, that'll do it for our magic item, the podcast, uh, the field medic bag from El Galassi. Ian, would you like to tell us about our dungeon master tip? Our dungeon master's tip is intercepted. Ryan Kartner's it is Kartner, right? I think so. Yeah, that's from the the, the encounter. Right. I, I think to... it's Kartner. Yeah, it's not Carter. It's Kartner. That's why I was double checking. Ryan Kartner's product is a genius de- device which gives you plot hooks that can add a bit of surprise and interest to any campaign. We discussed less being found on corpses of your fallen allies, but this could be a powerful tool to grab the attention of players and gives a very easy segue to any short-term changes or adventures for players. Whatever twist of fate has prevented the delivery of missive letters or uh, personal um, scribblings, it is now up to the uh, party and gives them some additional hooks to follow. Whether it's to help someone in need or to find a way to utilize the information gained to their own benefit. Um, yeah, and, and that's really, we, we've, we've talked before about, um, you mentioned the, the players writing letters, but when you have, uh, having a resource like this, if you plan sending messengers through, for instance, if your players are going to stake out, uh, 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 like a camp, right? Maybe you send a messenger back and forth, right? With a missive. It could be something super important that they may decide to go and try to get. Um, or maybe they, it, maybe it won't have anything important. It's, it's tea time between the big villain and his girlfriend. Um, or maybe it has important plans that are going on. But either case, having short little missives and letters written out ahead of time is a powerful way to change the, change the direction of a campaign. So I think you made a really great comment there because maybe you want to change it up. If you're, if you've got a nitty gritty adventure all the time, giving a missive about trying to save a guy's life who's about to be hanged, gives them a little bit of a more lighthearted direction you can go or maybe some maybe you find a letter of a girl whose cat is lost you know and you got to go find it um but in either case using uh goose goose do you know the cat's original name what chewy okay they changed it um from it was chewy um, based on Chewbacca, the awesome flight guy, right. and then they changed it to Goose, the From awesome. Top Gun. Yeah, mm. so I thought I don't know why they did that, but I'm glad they did. It was a little bit of a uh, surprise, especially since um, Disney owns Star Wars. Yeah, um, but anyways, um, I think coming up with a, a couple of hooks, um, the letters that you write that can add a little bit of variation to your gameplay, especially if it's different from the campaign's theme currently. So. Um, Intercepted is an awesome idea. Definitely check out Ryan Kartner's uh, product. Uh, he has already have 12 written for you that you can utilize and just toss them in whatever. So, um, Or write your own. Fantastic. That'll do it for our Dungeon Master tip. Intercepted. Our player tip of the podcast is... Don't, don't be, be a, a dick. dick. And you can avoid dickitude by getting the most out of your half races. Now, a half orc, a half elf, or a genocide are all half for a reason, right? The the book doesn't really talk about what that other half is, right? Um, but consider a really ballsy bard. <laughs> <laughs> consider giving your character who is one of these half traits physical features of that other half. You know, they might have some features reminiscent of the non dominant parent, uh, for instance, um, pointed ears uh, from an elf. Right? Can you imagine how hilarious that would be? Like if you ha- if you had a what? 
<laughs> you keep with your thing. I'll go on in a second. If you had like a, uh, well, I'll finish this. Um, maybe you have pointed ears from an elf, or uh, a stockier frame and a, a thick, uh, thick beard, or hair from you know being a dwarf, or maybe you've got abnormally small hands and feet from your halfling side, or exceedingly large eyes, you know, from being a gnome. That just is hilarious. Like a half orc that's like part gnome or something. So he's like a really, t- really small, <laughs> really small half orc, and he has like a stature issue where he loses his temper, kind of like a Edward Elric. When when somebody caught like attacks his size or something, or just says the word small, <laughs> right? Um, or maybe they, you, you know, you're abnormally large in size uh, because your other half is, you know, a Goliath, right? So those are different things to kind of consider. Reminds me um, of uh, American Gods. I'm like, so who was that? That is Elvis, King of the Dwarves. Dwarf? He's five foot four. That's why he's king of the doors. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that the books, uh, the books leave are leave this open, so you really can add whatever flavor you want to your physical traits. Keep in mind that this uh, does not grant you any mechanical benefit, so don't expect it to. But it is a great layer to add to your character story and persona. I'm instantly just thinking of a half elf with just like the craziest hairy body because his mom was a dwarf or something. <laughs> He's a really stocky half elf with big ass bushy beard. <laughs> oh man. Or a genocide that has, you know, horns, you know, because they're half minotaur or something. Or maybe the genocide is, you know, a halfling or halfling, half halfling. So they're really tiny, you know. So you, you really can do whatever you want with this and get creative and, and add it to your game. What do you guys think about this? I there I, are other halves out there that aren't human. I, I keep thinking of a half Goliath and a half gnome, so it just ends up looking like a normal human <laughs> with a rocky skin. <laughs> skin. Well, and that's actually a good point. Who's to say you don't? Maybe you're a human stat, but you run around saying you're half Goliath, half gnome, right? I mean, you can do that. There's nothing wrong with that. I specifically was targeting the half classes, but you really you make a really great point. Maybe the maybe the maybe the Goliath character is not a Goliath. Maybe he's just a really big human. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just makes you think that the mother was the Goliath, and the, the gnome was part of it. Just like, <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you think, Ian? Uh, first off, I'm not trying try not to think about that too hard. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on there? You don't need to know, son. I'm stuck. (laughs) (laughs) My feet fell in. Uh, Do you have any comments here? (laughs) I do like how this points out that every time you hear like half orc, half elf, whatever, most people default to the half of it is human, but there are other races out there. Yeah, and so that could be, I mean, could you imagine a a half orc, a half orc that's got big horns and has red skin? His other half's tiefling. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? That would be dope as hell, wouldn't it? Yep. And it'd be very unique and a nice touch. So, uh, are you okay over there? Yeah. Tate says that they know a lot about caves. Fucking <laughs> 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 gnomes. Oh my god. Bring a whole new mean to spelunking. It's not hard to find a clitoris. It looks like a stalactite. <laughs> <laughs> maybe your dwarf. If you're a pixie. Maybe your. Dwar- <laughs> maybe your dwarf isn't a dwarf. Maybe you use the the stat blocks of dwarf, but you're half gnome, half Goliath. You know. But uh, anyways, that'll do it for our player tip of the podcast. Don't be a dick. And you can avoid dickitude by getting the most out of your half races. Before we close out, we have one last gift to give away. Compliments of Jeff Stevens. A small village, empty of villages except for one boy, found sitting and weeping next to a jester's pageant wagon. The boy explains that the villagers, including his family, 
followed a jester into the wagon and never came out. What madness could the adventurers face? Can they save the villagers? Or will they go mad trying Can you survive the madhouse of Tasha's kiss? Brandon, who's our winner today? Our winner is C. Marie, 1342. I, I thought that was an L, not a one. Okay. That is definitely a one. <laughs> Congratulations, C. Marie1342. If you enjoy the adventure, please let Jeff Stevens know. Leave him a review. Um, and then check out all his other products. He's got a ton. Oh, my gosh. Please join us on our next episode where we hear feedback from you, our heroes. We will be discussing 100 ways to excuse a character's absence. This also comes from Alec Clippinger. God, I hope I get that right. Is it Clippinger? Clippinger. It's got to be Clippinger. Clippinger. Clippinger? I don't know. Maybe. Whatever. Could be. Um, I'm really excited for this. I was cracking up when I was reading this a few months ago when I bought it, and I haven't got to it yet. Um, but there's some funny-ass shit in this, and I cannot wait to talk to you guys about it. I can, because I was absent last time. <laughs> <laughs> if you have any feedback on our tips and tricks or topics you would like us to discuss, please send them to us. You can email them to us at uh, critacademy at gmail.com. Or find us on Twitter and Facebook at Crit Academy. We hope you enjoyed your experience here at Crit Academy. If you did, you can help others find the show by leaving a hopefully five-star review on iTunes or your platform of choice. Or you can just send us a message telling us how much you enjoyed the show. Also, be sure to give us a like and a share. If you'd like to support the show, if you think our show is worth uh, anything at all, we're, you know, we record, you know, eight plus hours of material every single month. Um, you can show your support by becoming a patron um, as little as $1 a month. Every dollar you donate helps make our show better. Um, you can get commissions from Brandon or you can buy some of our stuff. You can get our gun mage. You can buy our... Um, our honor tips and tricks book and if you do please leave reviews on that stuff um or by the time this goes out our brawler should be ready to go um so hopefully that'll be out by the time this come out the barbarian path of the brawler a lot of play tests went in that i had a lot of fun with that one but uh i got you a dollar you got me a dollar i like a dollar i want a dollar so yeah so definitely check that stuff out there's lots of ways to support us or just buy a t-shirt go to our website click on the little get shop stuff and and, and get a t-shirt or a pillow with our our, our our logo on it any one of those things all those things help us to improve the show so that's why we have all this stuff if you can't see the video uh footage because you're not a patron there's a lot of wicked ass shit here that we got because of you yeah what are you putting stickers on me for douche he earned a gold star today. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> so make sure, make sure you subscribe to our show at CraigCammy.com so we can help you on your future adventures. Um, if you do, you'll be entered to win cool prizes each and every single week. You'll also find links to our fellowship members there. If you have not checked out the Fel- Crit Nation Fellowship, it is full of amazing content creators such as Gabe and Jeff over at Interparty Conflict. Every, every week they answer your questions in a very awesome manner. They just are, They just put together an amazing show. Um, also check out D&D Character Lab. Those two create their own unique, awesome, fully developed characters and argue who baby is better every single week. And of course, the most recent addition is the Brute Force and Ignorance uh, actual play podcast. Those guys are awesome. They're hilarious. Um, I highly recommend you check them out. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Brandon. I'm your host, Ian. Thanks for listening. Keep your blade sharp and spells prepared, heroes. Subscribe to us on YouTube, too. We have a YouTube. It's real, we swear. Yeah.
Uh, follow us on Twitch as well. I gotta add that in here. Uh, you can also check out footage of us on Twitch. You should do that. I apologize in advance. Has the winter season taken a toll on your tile, upholstery, carpet? Call Cyclone Cleaners, 570-726-6200. For all your carpet, upholstery, and ceramic tile cleaning needs, it's Cyclone Cleaners, also offering odor treatment and soil and stain guard. Choose the only cleaning company that supplies the water to clean your home and disposes of it when they are finished. Call Cyclone Cleaners to schedule your cleaning today, 570-726-6200.